This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, said any remaining civilians in Kherson in southern Ukraine should leave. His first public acknowledgement that Ukrainian forces are drawing close to the occupied city. Russian troops have been retreating to the east bank of the Dnieper River, though Ukrainian officials warned it could be a trap. Meanwhile, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, said that the most intense fighting was around Bakhmut, 500 kilometers away, where Russia was, quote, forcing tens or hundreds of thousands more people to the meat grinder. Elon Musk claimed Twitter had, quote, no choice but to conduct mass layoffs as the social media platform is losing $4 million per day. Around half of Twitter's 7,500 staff were sacked on Friday, while major brands pulled ads from the site amid concerns about its future. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden said that Mr. Musk had bought an outfit that, quote, spews lies across the world. China's President Xi Jinping said explicitly that nuclear weapons should not be used in the war over Ukraine. As the Russian side is the one that might escalate in that fashion, Mr. Xi's remark came as a cautionary note to its, quote, no limits ally, drawing a limit, as it were. He spoke alongside Olaf Scholz as Germany's chancellor concluded a visit to Beijing. Employers in America added 261,000 jobs in October, a sign that the labor market remains robust, but it may be cooling. A separate household survey showed a decline in employment of 328,000 and an uptick in the unemployment rate to 3.7%. Average hourly earnings increased by 4.7% from a year ago, well above the Federal Reserve's 2% inflation target yet well below the actual rate of 8.2% clocked in September. Donald Trump was reported to be preparing to launch his campaign for the 2024 presidential election after America's midterm elections. At a rally on Thursday, the former president said he would, quote, very, very, very probably do it again to make the country, quote, safe and glorious. Separately, a jury acquitted his former advisor and donor, Tom Barrack, on charges of illegally lobbying on behalf of the United Arab Emirates. Imran Khan, Pakistan's former prime minister, accused his successor, Shabazz Sharif, and two other officials of plotting to assassinate him after he was shot in the leg during a rally on Thursday. They denied involvement. The army asked the government to investigate the attack as well as, quote, those responsible for defamation and false accusations. The Wagner Group, a Russian firm of private mercenaries, opened a storefront location in St. Petersburg. Billed as a hub to attract IT specialists, the center marks an attempt by Wagner's shadowy founder, Yevgeny Prigozhin, to build his public profile. Until recently, Mr. Prigozhin, whose soldiers have fought covertly in Syria, Africa, and elsewhere, laid low. But now he appears to want an active public role in Russia's defense policy. And word of the week. Peasantrens, Indonesia's Islamic boarding schools, testing grounds for the eco-Islam movement.
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Battle for Pennsylvania On Saturday, three days before the midterms, presidents current and past Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and Barack Obama will descend on Pennsylvania for a final bout of campaigning. Democrats are keen to pick up the state's open Senate seat, which would allow them to keep control of Congress's upper chamber even if they were to lose another close seat, like Nevada. A Republican victory could well hand control of the Senate to the Republican Party. The Democratic candidate, John Fetterman, who suffered a stroke in May, held a steady polling lead this summer. But Mehmet Oz, the Trump-endorsed Republican contender, has since advanced in the polls. Our forecast puts him within a whisker of overtaking Mr. Fetterman. Whether the race has narrowed because establishment Republicans have come home or because voters are concerned about Mr. Fetterman's fitness, it was always going to be a dogfight. And it may be some time before a winner is declared. Poll workers cannot begin processing mailed ballots until Election Day. Campaign season begins in Malaysia. On Saturday, campaigning for Malaysia's general election, scheduled for November 19th, officially starts. But lawmakers have not stopped scheming since voters last had their say four years ago. In the interim, three prime ministers from three coalition governments watched their backs until their necks were sore. Just about every party has tasted power and is thus, in the eyes of voters, partly responsible for Malaysia's mess. Prices are increasing, the currency is weakening, and wages are stagnating. The coalition of the historic ruling party, UMNO, has the best shot at forming a government. That is, despite the jailing of its previous prime minister, Najib Razak, for his role in the 1MDB affair that saw billions of dollars vanish from state coffers. The two other blocs despise each other. UMNO might fancy its chances in a divided field, but none of this means that the politicking will be over two weeks from now. A rugby tournament returns to Hong Kong. The Hong Kong Rugby Sevens, the city's biggest sporting event, is back this weekend. Just. The coronavirus pandemic meant the 2020 and 2021 editions were cancelled, while the 2022 event was postponed from its usual slot in April. The government's original harebrained scheme for the spectacularly boozy event, that fans could drink but not eat in the stadium to limit COVID transmission, was thankfully binned. Still, capacity at the Hong Kong Stadium will be reduced, masks will be compulsory, and the women's event will not take place. The organizers expect most of the crowd to be locals, given the relatively recent relaxation of the rules governing foreign arrivals. Nevertheless, the organizer, the Hong Kong Rugby Union, reports that ticket sales to locals are above average. On the field, Fiji remains the team to beat, having won seven of the past eight tournaments, as well as gold medals in the men's event at the 2016 and 2020 Olympics. Contemporary Art Among the Pyramids Visitors to Egypt's Great Pyramid of Giza this month will see modern art next to ancient treasures. The second edition of Forever Is Now, a public art exhibition, places contemporary sculptures and interactive installations alongside monuments such as the Great Sphinx. Meta, parent company of Instagram, has released augmented reality filters to guide people around the sites. Art d'Egypte, the organizer, sought participation from 12 artists from around the world. Their brief was to think about immortality. Some grapple with sustainability and environmental disruption. One of the works is an installation from Leader of Light, 
an organization that helps poor communities construct solar lights. Meanwhile, the question of how to meet the world's growing energy needs without further endangering the future will be debated fiercely 500 kilometers to the southeast, in Sharm el-Sheikh, where the UN's annual climate summit begins on Sunday. Weekend Profile Carrie Lake, Arizona's Republican candidate for governor the first time she was, quote, canceled really hard, as she puts it, Carrie Lake did some soul-searching. In 2019, a hot mic caught Ms. Lake, then a veteran television newsreader in Phoenix, Arizona, crudely dismissing concerns about her presence on Parlor, a right-wing social network. Quote, fuck them, she said of her detractors. Quote, they're 20-year-old dopes. After the tape leaked, the dopes called for Ms. Lake to be fired. She spent a week off the air, but her unease only grew. She turned to God. She started comparing the Bible she kept on one side of her desk with the news scripts she kept on the other. Eventually, she quit broadcasting altogether, saying she was through with, quote, having to read news that I felt wasn't fully truthful. Shortly thereafter, she announced her candidacy as a Republican for governor of Arizona in a video produced by her husband, a videographer with a penchant for soft-focus backgrounds. Ms. Lake enjoys a slight lead over her lackluster Democratic opponent, Katie Hobbs, ahead of Tuesday's election. She is reveling in her cancellation. Ms. Lake frequently peddles the lie that the 2020 election was stolen, earning Donald Trump's approval. She describes immigration on Arizona's southern border as an, quote, invasion. She has accused Ms. Hobbs of supporting sex education for youngsters and opposing medical care for infants who survive abortion attempts. Both characterizations are misleading. But unlike many of Mr. Trump's acolytes, she is fully media-trained. Glenn Beck, a right-wing radio host, compares her speaking talent to that of Ronald Reagan. Ms. Hobbs refuses to debate her, no doubt for fear of getting shown up. Critics spy opportunism in Ms. Lake's recent political awakening. She says no politician since Reagan has thrilled her like Mr. Trump, yet she voted for Barack Obama in 2008. She calls herself Christian from birth and dismisses rumors that she dabbled in Buddhism. The yoga was for stress relief, she says. If she can convince Arizona's voters that she is the real deal, the Lake playbook, ultra-smooth delivery of far-right talking points, could be a winner. Democrats are rightly worried. The winners of this week's quiz Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Yasumasa Watanabe, Tokyo, Japan North America, Kathy Adams, Burlington, Canada Central and South America, Sylvia Mora Bowen, Quito, Ecuador Europe, Agnieszka Bigajka, Krakow, Poland Africa, Hassan Alawi Abdullawi, Rabat, Morocco Oceania, Warren Twohi, Auckland, New Zealand They all gave the correct answers of Luke, Empire State, Napoleon Solo, The Maltese Falcon, and Force. The theme is Star Wars. Luke Skywalker, The Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo, Millennium Falcon, and The Force. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from James Clerk Maxwell, who died on this day in 1879. He that would enjoy life and act with freedom must have the work of the day continually before his eyes. 
That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.